the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see you and to be with you. Welcome to those who are here and those who are joining online. I'd like to thank our staff for pivoting quickly last week. It was a weekend when I was away unexpectedly, and uh, they were trying to navigate a pretty dicey weather forecast, so uh, I thank them for their faithfulness in putting together a wonderful service. I'd like to thank them as well, uh, and our church's leadership, and all of you in this wonderful congregation for, for the care and support you have offered to me and my family at the time of uh, my mother's death recently. I just wanted to let you know that your actions and words of of love and care and comfort are very much appreciated. Thank you. For the past few weeks, we have been pondering the idea that that the medium is very much part of the message. In other words, how something is communicated can say a lot about what is being communicated. And together, we've been marveling at the fact that God, in his grace and mystery and wisdom has actually chosen us, his people, the church, flawed though we are, to be the medium of the message that God wants people to hear, the message of God's love, the message of salvation through Jesus Christ, new life, abundant life in him, and the calling of God's people to a mission of justice and righteousness in a renewing world. So we are the medium just as Paul said in the passage from 1 Corinthians 15 that was, that was just read, where he said that I am the conduit for the message that you have received. Paul says, whatever I've been given, I passed along to you. He chose to be a faithful medium and messenger. And so we see that, that if we're the medium, if we're the means that God is using to communicate his love to the world, then we matter. And our actions, our messages, our words matter. Paul says that the things we do in what he calls our, these jars of clay that are our bodies, our actions have incredible significance. They matter. And this truth is perhaps nowhere clearer in the teachings of Jesus than in today's passage from Matthew 25. Let me read for you this teaching of Jesus about the time that he says actions will be weighed and judged. From Matthew 25, beginning in verse 21. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? 
When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. <coughs> Excuse me. It was a powerful teaching. And clearly, if we take away nothing else from this teaching of Jesus, we should take away an unmistakable sense that what we do really matters. I need to tell you, it's been an interesting and often perplexing time for me to be studying this passage recently, because you can imagine all the questions that have been raised over the century about this teaching about the sheep and the goats. Well, who are they, and when is this going to happen, and how does this all work? It's been a bit dizzying to dive into the various commentaries and theories about what exactly Jesus is teaching here. And one of the most helpful nuggets I found is something that appears in a book called Stories with Intent, an exhaustive volume on Jesus' parables written by noted covenant New Testament professor and theologian Klein Snodgrass. And although this passage is not technically a parable, but is a teaching that uses some language of metaphor, Snodgrass devotes a very helpful chapter to this portion of Matthew's gospel. And referring to all the questions that might arise as we study this passage, he reminds us, this narrative is a piece of the gospel, not its whole theology in miniature. In miniature. In other words, Jesus isn't trying to explain everything in this one teaching. This is not purely an exposition on salvation. It's not Jesus describing from beginning to end how and why and when people are saved Now, of course, that's one of the most common questions that comes up after people encounter this passage. They read it and they ask, well, wait a minute. Is Jesus saying that people will be saved because they do good things? People will be saved through works? I thought salvation comes through faith and faith in Jesus Christ alone. And here's Snodgrass's response to that question, which I found helpful. He says, faith plays an important role in the Gospel of Matthew but it does not need to be brought into this passage. In keeping with Jesus' rejection of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, this gospel is actually more concerned about the lack of authentic obedience than about anyone trying to earn salvation by works. To raise the problem of righteousness by works 
is to foist on Jesus and Matthew a concern that is not theirs in this passage. Their concern is a discipleship that is evidenced by love and mercy. The judgment evidenced in this narrative does not ask if a person has accumulated X number of merciful acts, but asks, what kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person characterized by the love and mercy that is so integral to Jesus' kingdom? Or are you one characterized by no concern for those in need? Jesus is teaching that a person cannot claim the identity of a saved person or a disciple of the king without evidencing it in acts of mercy. End of quote. And this is certainly consistent with other times that Jesus teaches about how our acts, our actions, will be judged. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. In Matthew 7, Jesus teaches that not everyone who thinks that they're serving Jesus really is. And in Matthew 25, we see the flip side where we see that Apparently, some who are even unaware that they are serving Jesus actually turn out to be doing just that. The bottom line is that acts of compassion, love, and mercy truly and deeply matter. At Bethany Covenant Church, we say that an essential part of our shared mission together is to be serving our neighbors, whether they're near or far away, and to be involving and inviting other people to join us in those acts of service and love and mercy in Jesus' name. We saw a couple of weeks ago, as we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, that God calls us to the kind of love that is kind, that is patient, that is forgiving, that is gracious, the kind of love that will draw us into proximity with other people, including our neighbors. And it's proximity language that Jesus is using here in Matthew 25. Inviting strangers into our homes, visiting people in prison, going to visit those who are laid up sick. This all requires that we be near our neighbors. And in Jesus' time, those other acts of mercy he describes, providing clean water to someone, providing food and clothing, almost always would have been done person to person. These days we can, we can donate, we can go online and make a few clicks and help meet a real need that doesn't necessarily bring us into proximity to our neighbors. But in Jesus' time, it was almost always the case. Acts of compassion, love, and mercy truly and deeply matter. And Jesus teaches here in Matthew 25, they're supposed to be the story of the people of God. These are the things my sheep do, Jesus says. Now, when Jesus taught the people using these words, there was actually nothing wrong with goats. As people heard Jesus teaching that day, they wouldn't have heard like a good guy's, bad guy's setup when he talked about goats and sheep being separated. They were both very valuable flocks. 
And so people would have been surprised to hear that there was some differentiation, something that set them apart in this story. But Jesus always referred to his followers, his flock, as sheep, never as goats in his teachings. Jesus in John 10 says that he is the good shepherd and he lays down his life for his sheep. And he teaches that his sheep know his name and choose to follow him. In John 21, he tells Peter, as he restores him to a place of faithful ministry, he says, Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to take care of my sheep. Matthew 25 shows us the kinds of things that the sheep of Jesus do. And Jesus tells this story to grab the attention of his listeners, to to wake them up to the fact that what they do actually matters, will even matter for eternity. And part of the good news we hear in this passage is that the things we do as God's sheep matter whether they are big or small. Everything we do matters. Even a cup of cold water, Jesus says, given in Jesus' name to one of the least of the brothers and sisters matters. And so this is encouraging. We can be encouraged that even small acts matter. At a recent staff meeting, Pastor Chris shared words that he'd been inspired by through the teachings of Pastor Andy Stanley. And I'm probably paraphrasing here, but Stanley says, we should do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. And so we wish we could eradicate the global need for clean water. And in response, we offer a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. And we get involved in projects that we know will help provide more clean water to people around the world. And even though the dent may seem small, as people gather in mission, we choose together to hold a food drive like is happening this Saturday to make a difference in the life of someone here in our community experiencing hunger. And as we serve our neighbors both near and far, we, we keep this, this tension, this both-and sense of opportunities and needs in the front of our mind. On the one hand, we try to make a difference where the needs seem greatest. We think about needs for water and, and food and clothing. We think about places in, in the so-called third world where those needs seem especially dire. So we want to have an impact there even as we don't overlook real needs here in our community. And likewise, we do the good and difficult and sometimes challenging work of being in proximity with our neighbors, coming shoulder to shoulder with real people in our communities to get to know them, to be in relationship with them, to help meet their needs, even as we don't forget that in this day and age, we have been given an opportunity to make a difference across the globe. Jesus says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. As we grow into this part of our mission to serve our neighbors, I pray that we would come to see Jesus as our neighbor, Jesus in our neighbor. It's interesting that as the king addressed both the sheep and the goats in this passage, he tells them, you've had a failure to see. He says, you didn't recognize Jesus as your neighbor. The sheep and the goats didn't realize that they were actually serving or failing to serve Christ himself. 
And so it's my prayer that as sheep, as people called by God, that more and more we would be people who would actually see, we'd be aware of real needs all around us. We'd be people who are moved toward compassion for people in need. Compassion to see what we could do to be part of God's work in their lives to meet those needs. People who respond out of love for our neighbor and more and more people who actually see the face of Christ in our neighbors around us. When the sheep were welcomed into their reward, they weren't commended for seeing needs around them, for simply being astute observers of opportunities and problems in their communities. They weren't commended for feeling bad about needs. They were told by their king that by responding to neighbors in need, they were not only serving their king in disguise, they were doing sheep stuff that sheep are supposed to do. So I want to invite you to participate this week in uh, what I think is an exciting opportunity. It's an interactive uh, experience that will keep us immersed in this passage of Scripture in Matthew 25 all week. It will bring us face-to-face with these teachings and help us do a deeper dive into each of these opportunities that Jesus describes in this passage. So I invite you to take a look at this video, and then I'll explain the challenge and opportunity to you. Then the king would say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The Matthew 25 challenge was a transformational moment for my family and I. There's one particular day when the challenge was to sleep on the floor. And I walked by my daughter's room, and she was already there on her sleeping bag reading her Bible. The Matthew 25 challenge was an incredibly spiritual experience for me personally. God was teaching us different things every day, and sharing it with each other was really exciting. Well, when it came to the Water Day challenge, three words come to mind. Caffeine, withdrawal, headaches. Going without coffee all day was a lot harder than I thought. I'd get these headaches, but every time I did, it would remind me of the six kilometer walk that women and children have to do to get unclean water. My first thought was, this'll be easy. I grew up missing meals and sleeping on the floor, but my daughters, not so much. They were challenged to come out of their Wi-Fi life and actually experience what kids around the world experience every single day. So this is something we have an opportunity to uh, engage in together this week. As you came in this morning, there should have been a card like this uh, somewhere in your seating area. 
And for those joining online, we will also walk you through how to get involved with this. As I said, this is a way to be prompted throughout the week to be reminded of the teachings of Jesus and each day to walk alongside one piece of this passage from Matthew 25. To walk along what it means to consider what it's like to be hungry and to have that need met by someone serving with the love of Jesus. And so I invite you to pull out your phone right now and, uh, and sign up. Because each day you'll be given a text, a link, that will provide uh, not only a daily challenge, but provide uh, a video talking about the story of someone around the world experiencing a kind of need and what God is doing in their life, as well as providing uh, a little bit of devotion and Bible study that you might be able to take advantage of as a family. So if you'd like to sign up, I invite you to text Bethany M25 to the number 56170. So the message you're sending is Bethany M25. Doesn't matter if it's capitalized or not, but it just need, does need to be one word, Bethany M25. And the number you're sending that to is 56170. And if you're having trouble getting through, just make sure you've got the, the message and the recipient the right way and not flipped. And if it goes through, you should get a, a link that'll guide you to materials that we'll, you'll be using throughout the week. So let me show you an example of what, uh, what uh, a challenge looks like. So tomorrow's challenge brings us face to face with Jesus saying, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And so our daily challenge tomorrow on day one on Monday will be uh, to intentionally skip lunch and then to break our fast at the end of the day with a meal that would be very common uh, across the world, a simple meal of rice and beans. Now, as we undertake these challenges each day, um, most days won't have us actually meeting a need. We're not necessarily going to be directly serving and blessing our neighbors through the things we do this week, but we will be learning more about the needs and opportunities around us. We'll be asking that God would grow our hearts to be more like his, even break our hearts for the things that break God's heart as he looks at a broken world and the opportunities he's given his church to make a difference in his name. So each day you'll receive a text which will give you the daily challenge explaining what to do that day. And on the card, they are all listed so you can put this up on your fridge and be ready, uh, kind of plan out your week. There's also a link uh, on our website to the general, uh, the general link for this challenge if you'd like to download it. And that's worldvision.org slash doM25, D-O-M-25. If you're somebody who would just like to get all the material downloaded in a way you can print out rather than having it sent to your phone. But each day you'll get that, uh, that challenge, you'll get a video of a story, and you'll be given a devotional resource for you to use as your family or perhaps in your community group or in your own personal study. And then we invite you to post on Bethany's social media platforms throughout the week. We're doing this together, and so it's a chance for you to, to post uh, on the, the, the posts that'll be uh, listed each day on our social media platforms. How's it going for you? What are you learning? What was tough? What was interesting? What was challenging? What was insightful as you undertook the challenge? Each of these challenges is designed to get us thinking deeply and prayerfully 
about the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 25. When he said, I was there in the face of your neighbor, and you were given an opportunity to serve me and meet a real need in real time. It's my prayer that this experience will get us all thinking more deeply about tangible, real needs around us, in our communities as well as around the globe, and that God uses this to soften our hearts and prepare us to respond. And then next Sunday, I invite you to come back. It's going to be an exciting Sunday. We'll share a little bit about what's gone on throughout this week with Matthew 25, but there will be an opportunity that we are given next week to meet very real and tangible needs in the life of a child and family across the across the globe. It's a way for us to begin to respond to the challenge of Jesus in Matthew 25, saying, here, here I am in the face of your neighbor, and you've got an opportunity to respond and to meet real need. And what I love about the opportunity we'll be given next week is it's not just the meeting of needs, but an opportunity to be invited into, to be welcomed into a relationship with a child across the globe. And so it's going to be a really powerful Sunday. I invite you to be with us for sure, whether you're joining online or here in person. God has given us the opportunity to serve his son, who is no longer bodily, physically with us here on earth, as we serve our neighbors. And so it's my prayer that we would never suffer from a failure to see that we would never look at someone and fail to see Jesus in their face, fail to see someone created in the very image of God. Would you pray with me? King Jesus, forgive us for not seeing you in the faces and lives of our neighbors. Forgive us for neglecting those things that you say are sheep things that we need to be about. Jesus, would you grow in us a heart for our neighbors? Give us eyes to see you in them. Help us to hear your voice, good shepherd, and to be faithful as your flock. Amen.